Welcome to The Real Spotlight. I'm your host, Tony Santiago, and in this episode, I'll be on a solo mission of my own. In reviewing Tom Cruise's newest film, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Today's episode will be sort of a test. I'll be reviewing a movie with no guest. And the purpose of this is for me to kind of get in a groove of watching movies coming out of the theater and just saying, you know what, let me just record my thoughts and put them out there. Rather than having to wait for a guest or plan it out, this is probably going to be much easier. And if I'm watching the movie at home, I go, you know what, this is pretty good. Let me get this out there and put my thoughts on the mic and see how it goes. But I'm hoping to perfect this that way I can press record, press end, edit really fast and upload the next day. All right, let's start with some info on the movie. This film was announced back in January of 2019, and that same announcement mentioned that part seven and eight would be shot back to back with McCory writing and directing both movies. Returning and new cast members were announced soon after. They started filming in Italy in February of 2020, but a worldwide pandemic kind of halted that production. It resumed later that year and wrapped in September 2021. It took four plus years from announcement to release, but better late than ever. I try my best to keep up with movie news. Yeah, for some odd reason, I was looking up some info for today. And I found out that the budget was $291 million, which kind of shook me because I didn't think it would cost that much. But when I thought about it long and hard, I go, well, it kind of makes sense when you think about all the practical effects, all the location shooting. I imagine it cost a fortune to fly everybody out to Norway, to Italy, to Dubai. And those locations are stunning, especially when you see them in IMAX or whichever theater you're going to see it in. It's funny that there were a couple times in the movie that I was just looking at the scenery and I go, oh shit, I didn't hear what that person just said. Because I was just kind of mesmerized by the beauty of the locations. For those who don't know, the MI movies were based on a television series that aired on CBS from 1966 to 1973. It did make a mini comeback in the mid-80s for like two years. And it was created by Bruce Geller. You fast forward close to a decade to 1996 and Tom Cruise releases the first Mission Impossible which let me say I had the privilege to see in theaters at the Whitestone Cinema in the Bronx. And I kind of, I don't remember my actual reaction to it. It was kind of my first taste of spy, a spy thriller. I wasn't too impressed with part two, which was kind of disappointing because seeing that it was directed by John Woo, who was an incredible action director. I don't know, maybe it was just the story in itself wasn't as engaging as the first one but part three does make a little comeback i love philip seymour hoffman as the villain and jj brings that i don't know he kind of revitalized the series but then crazy enough to think that brad bird the director of the incredibles made one of the best of the series in ghost protocol then we get christopher mccurry taking over with rogue nation Fallout and now Dead Reckoning Part 1 and 2. And I don't know if he's or they're thinking about making any more after that. Let's just say that this franchise, the last four films, is on a run that's 
quite impressive and i don't see any other action franchise topping it but enough of that let's get to the review of dead reckoning part one That updated score of that incredible theme is from Lauren Belfi. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. It's awesome. Since today is July 14th and it's and the movie is officially out, but has not been seen by all. I'm gonna keep this the review non-spoiler, so it's gonna be brief but not too too short. Uh, first and foremost, if you like the franchise, if you're a big fan of the franchise, especially of the last three or four. You're going to either enjoy this movie or you're going to love it a lot. I'll start with the runtime. It's two hours and 43 minutes, which can be daunting for many. But let me be honest with you. I did not check my watch once. There aren't any scenes that take too long that you're like, oh, just hurry up already. You know, it wasn't John Wick 4. Anyway, it's not the perfect length. I probably could have shaved like five to seven minutes. But it doesn't feel two hours and 43 minutes is what I'm trying to say. There are a couple of scenes where there's a ton of planning by the non-stars of the movie, you know, the CIA stuff in the background. It might feel a little bit tedious, but they were all very brief. What I admire about this franchise is, and especially this movie, is that Cruz and McCory make sure to give us, the audience, something fresh and new. With every movie, whether it be like using AI, which it's when you look at AI and you see what it can do now, it is kind of scary. And the way they use it in the film, you're like, yeah, that could possibly happen with the tech and all the stuff they use for like intelligence capabilities and tracking people. You know, it's all state of the art. And of course, using practical effects in all their action set pieces is something to behold, I think. And I, and I love action movies. And when I see movies like this, take it to another level, I have to just stand and applaud. You know, we've seen millions of car chases and some epic movies, but knowing that all these chases here require no CGI, they're all practical. <laughs> I'm looking at all the cars all these stunt drivers, all the all this choreography, it, it's it's kind of mind blowing, and that's what this movie is all about. It wants to blow your mind when it comes to these action set pieces. Like I wanted to critique <laughs> a fight scene on top of the train, uh, not spoiler because you can see all this in the trailer. I won't say what happens in the fight, obviously, but I go, why are we doing a fight on top of the train? But then right before I press record here, I ended up seeing like a three minute documentary, a short doc on how they had to build an entire train in order to destroy it. So I go, okay, I'm not going to bag on it so bad. I guess the fight on the train was needed, but it could have been a little bit shorter. The returning cast is so damn talented. They all shine. Simon Pegg, Ring Rames, they play so well off each other. Rebecca Ferguson brings her badassery. We also have Vanessa Kirby returning as a villain. And in terms of the actresses in the film, she's probably the best. I think she's a great actress and she was wonderful in The Crown. But in this movie, she was on screen maybe five minutes. And 
you know, in a movie with so many stars, it's so hard to try to find a balance of giving everybody equal time, which never, which is a mission kind of impossible. <laughs> I just wish we had more time with her. I'm not complaining about her screen time because she took advantage of every single second she was on screen. We also see the return of Henry Turing, aka Kittredge, who was last seen playing the villain in the OG film back in 96. The newest additions to this franchise, I think, had the biggest impact of the movie. Haley Outwell does a great job stepping into this world. Mantis, or Palm <laughs> Clementiev, is amazing. I love the fact that she just speaks French and only French. She had her character was no nonsense killer. Her she had eyes of a killer. The way her her makeup, her hair, her all her wardrobe was amazing. What made me happy the most about all these new additions to the movie was seeing Isai Morales play the villain. I was so freaking happy to see him on the big screen. I'm mean, literally like crushing this role. The dude has been such a great underrated actor for close to four decades, and I just hope that this opportunity he gets to be on the big screen in one of the biggest movies ever gets him more chances to be out there and, and cast in bigger movies. And lastly, Mr. Cruz, the dude is on autopilot when it comes to these action movies. Not that that's a bad thing. He's It's like his natural habitat now. He ain't winning any acting awards for this, but the man is invested in literally giving his all and keeping us entertained. And I applaud him for that. A few times during the movie, I was like, this is a crazy mother effer. I enjoyed this movie a whole bunch. I think this film delivers in all fronts. You think of the title Mission Impossible, and that's what the film gives you. Gives you the top of the line and espionage genre. The storyline they come up with is bonkers and it keeps you on your toes. No spoilers, of course, but <laughs> there is an airport scene that's both hilarious and nail-biting, which is kind of hard to achieve. Every scene is setting up the next scene. The action scenes never drag. There's many of them, but the length of the scenes were, were just right. And of course, the big payoff, the big stunt, the one we've seen promoted for uh, so many months now on Instagram. We've seen it on, on the theater. We've seen documentaries in the while watching previews of other movies of Tom doing this insane motorcycle sequence off this mountain. And it does play out beautifully. And it's crazy to think that it only takes 10 seconds of the movie, but the way it's all set up, it's, it, it's all just perfect. And when you see it, you're thinking this I, I don't understand what he's trying to do here. Like he can it could be CGI, he could have a stunt person, but the dude is doing it himself. So all right, since I'm not going into spoilers, let me give you my rating for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. I'm gonna give it a high A. I'm gonna do an 8.7 out of 10. I think Fallout is still the gold standard of the franchise. Let me finish this ep quick episode of the Real Spotlight with some questions. I have six of them, so let's start with MovieLover.62 has two questions. I guess I can answer both of them because they're kind of the same. Ranked in franchise, worst film in the franchise. So worst film in the franchise is the only one that I don't like. 
But to be fair, I haven't seen it in such a long time. Um, I'm going to do MI2 is number seven. And then part three, we're going to go in my number six spot. Number five will be Ghost Protocol. Number four will be Rogue Nation. Number three will be Dead Reckoning Part One. And I know it's going to sound crazy, but I'm going to have the first Mission Impossible in my number two spot and then Fallout as number one. All right, next question. Every shot a painting. What do you think about Tom Cruise shooting a movie in space soon? I think that crazy fucker is going to do it. This guy has some kind of drive to be the best action star ever. And now that he's over 60, it blows my mind. And I think that he will do it. I know he will. <laughs> so I just hope he doesn't die up there. I think I said that in another podcast. that The dude might die in space to bring us an epic action scene that probably was just going to last 20 seconds. All right, next question is from Nozu, N-O-O-S-O-1218. Who would be the best actor to continue the Mission Impossible franchise with? That's a good question. It's kind of like a question of who should be the next, I guess, James Bond. I don't know. I'm going to throw you a curveball and say Paul Mescal. The guy could do anything. He's going to be in Gladiator. Might as well give him a chance in MI, right? <laughs> All right, next question is from my good friend Shan, Film Forager. Which Mission Impossible Tom Cruise is the hottest in, and why is it number two? Well, I think number two, his hair was kind of cool and, and hot, so I guess I, I'll agree with you on that. All right, last question is from Luke underscore reviews. If you had to do one stunt from each MI movie, which would you be most capable of doing? Oh, my God, I don't think any. I'd have to get a personal trainer first, and then I'll get back to you on that. I think one of the coolest and one still one of my favorite stunts is when in the original back in 96, when he goes to the, the Pentagon and he has to be strapped and they're lowering him and he can't make a sound. That's one of my favorites. Maybe I could do that, but I guess I, I'm going to have to start working out. So that is it for me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Real Spotlight. It would be greatly appreciated if you save, download, follow the pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whichever app you use to listen to your podcast. To follow the podcast on Instagram, go to the underscore real spotlight. There in the bio is all the info for all the socials. I do host another podcast with the Arab Khaleesi called Dancing with Dragons, where we talk all things Game of Thrones and House of the Dragons. So if you're a fan of the book and shows, feel free to listen. Thanks again for stopping by The Real Spotlight, and until next time, peace out. <laughs>